Welcome to TYT's The Conversation. I am your host, Adrian Lawrence. And today I have joining me congressional candidate for PA03, Alexander Hunt. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for joining us. You've been getting a lot of buzz on social media, in part because people are just, I would say, acting up in terms of past events and whatnot. But essentially, I would love to talk about your essentially move toward this congressional candidacy. What inspired you? Well, the the inspiration came from the pandemic and the unmet needs of my community. I, when the pandemic first struck, I actually flexed my hours. I was working at a cancer center and I flexed my hours so I could be out in the community getting out relief. And I was helping to test folks for COVID-19. Even from the very beginning, I was helping to get out menstrual items and I was also helping to distribute food. And I was at a food distribution site and I had been going there week after week the line was just incredibly long. I had this thought of these lines are too long. They're not coming to help us. And what am I waiting for? And that was when I decided to run for office. And I put, started to put together a campaign. And we launched a little over a year ago and have been on the campaign trail ever since. Wow, and how has the experience been? Because I know you've been a public health researcher as well as a girls soccer coach, an advocate for various social issues, but running for office is a whole different beast. It really is a whole different beast. It is uh, exhausting, it's hard, and but also rewarding. It, it, when you run a grassroots campaign, you're very much involved in the grassroots and it brings you around community and, and that has been the reward is getting to sit down, talk with voters, talk about past people who are passionate about the policy platform that we have, as well as compassionate towards other folks in the need for policy that puts people first. And that has been really rewarding, but it is a, a hard experience running for office. Absolutely, but we need more people to do it and to definitely get out there and use their voices. And I would love to talk about your policy platform. What changes do you essentially aspire to make if you're elected to office? The When people ask me that, I often give the five pillars to our campaign. The first one is that we need immediate and robust climate action. We can't just do drops in a bucket. It has to be now and it has to be everyone all in. When we think of how much we spend on our defense budget, we can apply that to defense against the climate crisis, defense against the pandemic, defense against cyber attacks, and so on and so forth. And it doesn't just have to be the military and weapons. Uh, we also need to move towards healthcare being a human right and ensuring that we have universal health care for every single person in this country. Uh, very big piece of our platform is education reform. My parents are both teachers, and I believe that education is a ladder to opportunity. So we're very focused on building a school to opportunity pipeline. In the district that I'm running in, which is most of Philadelphia, that our public education, our public schools are severely underfunded. And that is creating an atmosphere of despair. And we need to be building an atmosphere of hopefulness and, and again, opportunity. Criminal justice reform is something that is uh, personally very important to me. Before I was running for office, I was a community organizer specializing in prison reform and uh, economic justice. So closing the wealth gap, 
creating a wealth tax, raising the, the minimum wage to a living wage, and reparations, as well as strong unions. Wow, it definitely sounds like you have a lot on your docket in terms of things you'd want to accomplish. And in terms of the current incumbent in that um, in that seat right now, I guess, what do you think are the bigger hurdles there? Name recognition. He has held public office for 42 years. He was in the state house before he was in the federal house. And that has garnered him a lot of in-district name recognition. I tell people that while he was in the state house, he was king of the state house because he was the chair of the appropriations committee. He actually lost power during his his time in the state house because he was funneling state money into his neighborhood organization. And uh, so he was removed from the chair of the appropriations committee and then was moved into this seat after his predecessor was indicted and, and went to jail. Wow, that sounds um, like there's some criming going on, uh, or at least there were the allegations there. Uh, and this also kind of does make you wonder about the individual's um, true ability to serve the constituents there. And so if you are gonna serve them and truly get your name out there so that you become more recognizable, do you have a strategy for that? It's layered. We we have a digital strategy that is through communications, media, social media. We have a strong ground game. We have uh, relational organizing. I, if you're familiar with the Bernie Sanders 2016 campaign, they came up with a form of organizing called distributed organizing. And that's when you really give a lot of power to the volunteers on your campaign and they can organize within amongst themselves to have different events that would push your campaign out to voters and the policy platform. Wow, it definitely sounds like you guys have a game plan set. And I know with the buzz on social media that I kind of mentioned earlier, it was about your former essentially working as a dancer in the entertainment community. And has that in any way worked against you or helped you at all? It's both. It's done both, honestly. Where where it helped me is it, it allows me to relate to folks who have had to survive, who have had to work to make it, and who have known any sort of legislation or policy platform where they've been dehumanized. Where it's hurt is it comes with a lot of stigma. And it also comes with... Uh, with honestly threats, I was and I was pushed out of my coaching job in the very beginning because of being so vulnerable with that part of my life. Wow! And so, in terms of losing your coaching job, uh, I'm sure it was something that you loved very much in terms of leading this girls' soccer uh, team. And so, I guess, how did that all evolve? How did that come to pass in terms of losing the job? Well, I was I was sitting down with. Some leadership within the club, and we were reviewing what what the next season would look like. And it was brought up that some parents, well, some some players had seen our social media platform where we were talking about sex work, and they had brought that to their parents, and then the parents had brought that to the club, and that so on and so forth. I was being essentially demoted in the coaching world to a very young group that would not be able to recognize who I was or, or uh, our political campaign. 
Wow, uh, that's it's so wild, and it seems very narrow-minded and quite ignorant. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't matter if you did not have uh, the pedigree that you do, but you know, given all of your accomplishments, given your education, uh, you know, your master's degree and so forth, and the fact of everything you've done to be reduced to this one job experience that you had, uh, it just seems very uh, pathetic, unfortunately. And I'm sorry mm -hmm. that there are people out there acting that way, because uh, it's clear that you have a lot to contribute to society and stepping up to run for office for the third district of Pennsylvania. Uh, that should be the focus. And so when you are speaking with people and engaging with people, how do you truly connect with them to let them know that you are there for them and that you are equipped with all the talent and the skills to be their leader? I think it's, uh, it involves a, a give and take. So I, I talk about the policy platform, I talk about my experiences, and then I also hear what what are the issues that are important to you? What are your life experiences that you are struggling with right now or have in the past? And it it's been uh, it's meant a lot to me to be trusted with with their experiences that that and also to have voters be so vulnerable. And I think that comes from the atmosphere that our campaign is creating of being vulnerable with our own lived experiences. So it's it, uh, it's really a, a give and take of, of talking about policy, talking about experiences, and then listening to the impacts of policy and voters' experiences as well. Absolutely, ensuring that your constituents feel heard is so incredibly important. And so for those people out there who hear you and are viewing you right in this moment, and if they wanna support you and get involved, where can I get more information about you? Our website is huntforcongress.com. We have a lot of issues if you want to check them out for our policy platform. We also have a volunteer link. We need so many volunteers to win this. Uh, contributions are welcome. We're doing grassroots fundraising. And uh, you can check out our merch store. You might get a kick out of that. <laughs> That sounds great. I can't wait to check it out myself. Uh, and also too, when is the election? May 17th, we're closing in pretty hard. Yeah, definitely sounds like it. Well, I am definitely inspired by you and I'm very, very grateful that you are continuing to lead, to stand up and to contribute to our society to make it a better place. We need more people like you, more voices like you. Please definitely check out Alexandra Hunt and where can people find you on social media? Alexandra Hunt for Congress on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and Twitter. Excellent, thank you so much for joining us, Alexandra. And we wish you all the best in this upcoming election. Thank you so much, thanks for having me. Hey, hey, next up on the conversation, I am joined by Raquel Jones, Director of Leadership Programs at People for the American Way. Thanks for joining us, Raquel. Thanks for having me, I'm excited to be here. Yes, so can you tell us a little bit about your organization? Yes. So. Um, I currently serve as the director of leadership programs. Right now, I oversee our young elected officials network um, that serves and supports young electeds between the ages of 18 and 35. We currently have over 1,300 elected officials, and we work to provide policy, networking, and leadership development support. We also I oversee our Frontline Leaders Academy program, where we utilize the expertise of our young elected officials, net, um, young elected officials, to essentially train the next generation of leaders. It's a six-month-long 
lifelong fellowship where they go through a field in finance training, campaign and communications management, as well as communications training. Um, and then more recently have been working to build out our women's support. The women were feeling really alone and isolated within um, the young elected officials network. And so we are building out programming specific to them. In 2019, we were able to launch our first standalone women's conference, um, which was amazing. We brought 80 elected women from across the country together to really just dive in and figure out how we can work to support them and elevate their leadership. Um, and now we, we paused a little bit because of COVID and everything going virtual, but we're really working to build it back out and excited about being able to support them in the future. That is fantastic. And I also know that your organization is essentially greeting this nomination of Katanji Brown Jackson to the US Supreme Court with great joy. And so I'd love to play this clip really quick. When I pass by the Supreme Court, I will smile. Someone who looks like me will be there. Someone behind those doors understands the complexity of the triple jeopardy that I experience, race, class, and gender. It means she will be there for this and the next generation of young black women. I see her even now in the spirit of our ancestors. The haters are trying to steal our joy, but we have a joy that they didn't give, they can't understand, and therefore they can't take away. When she enters and is seated in the highest court of this land, she will bring the whole past, present, and future Negro, Black, African American, Americans of African ancestry with her. The weight on the shoulders of this black woman is heavy, but I have faith and I have her back. Tell your senators, confirm Katanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. Now, yes, definitely having that representation as well as that insight on the bench is something extremely important. But I'd love to hear why people for the American way really believes that Judge Jackson is the right choice. Yeah, so we know that right now it, this is a historical moment and she's such an inspiring nominee. Um, to me personally, as a young black woman and a mother of a five-year-old who will see herself represented um, on the, the highest courts of our land. Um, and then we see that this is an, an opportunity for the entire nation um, to secure a better future for generations to come. This is you know a lifetime appointment of someone who is truly committed to protecting civil and human rights um, and someone who offers a unique perspective for quality decision making just based off of her lived experiences. Yes, and you had mentioned that she has a history of protecting civil rights. And can you speak to, to that a little bit? Yeah, she has deeply dem demonstrated her commitment to civil rights um, and is one of the brightest legal minds in our country. She um, could have chosen a lucrative career in, in private practice, but she chose public service. And I believe that her experience as a public defender means that she'll bring the perspective of someone who's seen the justice system through the eyes of the most vulnerable in our country. Yes, definitely having that wealth and range of experience. It really does show that she has a dedication and a devotion to essentially upholding the rule of law, particularly as it concerns everyone, not just necessarily the wealthy or the privileged. And speaking of wealthy and privileged, we know that she's going to be going before Congress. And essentially having them 
pepper her with questions and put her in a position where, you know, as we know with the GOP, will try to make her look foolish or to undermine her in some way. So I guess, what are your thoughts on how this whole nomination process will go? Yeah, we we know that the far right will will spew baseless attacks and try to distort her record, but we will not repeat those messages, right? We know that um, she has an exceptional record and has a proven track record of bipartisan support in the Senate. Um, she was just confirmed, or she's been confirmed three times by the Senate on a bipartisan basis already, and even more recently last year when she was confirmed to her current her current seat. And so we believe that they, there's really no merit behind the attacks and think that um, we're hoping and pushing that to still have a seamless process. Yes, that definitely seemed to be something we would all look forward to. But unfortunately, I think the hypocrisy of the GOP is something that they often like to showcase. But in terms of moving forward and assuming that she definitely will be confirmed and you know, essentially put on the bench itself, uh, you know, given the fact that it's what that 6-3 split already in terms of favoring the conservatives, what presence do you think Jackson would bring? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is a really interesting point. And really what people for in our allies, allies believe is that it really shouldn't be a conversation. The current judge doesn't have an impact, so it shouldn't be a concern. But we do know that she will influence the questions we hear um, at oral arguments and deliberations behind closed doors. And so we know that today's um, dissent can be tomorrow's majority opinions. Yes, definitely. Uh, and also too, hopefully, you know, having some sway uh, really helps when you are essentially working with fellow justices and trying to get them to see your side. So I would like to think from Jackson's temperament that she also uh, may be well positioned to influence her colleagues while on the bench. Uh, what say you on that? Yeah, I mean, we know that um, history shows we, we don't know what will come to her. her um, on the court, but we know that her record has shown a commitment to protecting the most vulnerable in our community. So I say that she is, you know, emphasizing that she's an outstanding nominee with matchless credentials, and we really look forward to a swift confirmation. Yes, and so for the work that you are going to continue doing moving forward after after she becomes Justice Jackson, what what will you all do? What is on the forefront for you? Yeah, so People4 has been committed to supporting and uplifting exceptional women. And we will continue to do that um, to support women like her and, and others through our Her Fight, Our Fight, supporting them and uplifting. Great, and I know as the Director of Leadership Programs, you're probably working on several programs right now. Is there anything that you would like to mention? Yeah, just that we are really looking forward to to building up our women's programming and pushing it out this year. Like I said, we've been paused for a while because of COVID, but we are really looking forward to getting back in that space where we can provide tangible support to elected women and really see them flourish and thrive so that they can um, continue to, to bid for higher office. Yes, and are there any um, potential women out there that you all are taking special interest in getting elected? Um, so on the the women's programming side, we are we support current elected officials, and so don't actually get involved in any particular races and try to keep it C three. But I will say personally, there are several that I, I'm, I'm crossing fingers um, that that will get pushed through. All right, and anybody in office in particular who you think people should be mindful of in terms of uplifting their message and their voice. 
Yeah, one that comes to mind, particularly right now, are some of our, our legislators in Texas thinking about Jasmine Crockett, who, who was on the ballot yesterday. Um, and, and, you know, just, you know, continuing to support those, um, even thinking about B. Wynn in Georgia, uh, who's bidding for a secretary of state and, and would be bring a phenomenal perspective and voice to that particular seat. Yes, that sounds like you are definitely keeping your finger on the pulse because it's incredibly important that we do have more women in elected leadership positions without a doubt. And in terms of what you look forward to when it comes to the midterms, is there anything essentially on your docket that you're eyeing? In my three, four world would have to say looking, you know, all eyes on Georgia and really, really looking to continue to support and uplift Stacey Abrams down there. Yes, yes, without a doubt, that definitely seems to be something a lot of people are eyeing. And hopefully it will be something that comes to pass as we do need more leadership, better leadership and voices that are uplifted. And so when it comes to uplifting voices and also supporting people for the American way, I guess, how can people get involved? Yeah, you can, if you wanna get involved in our Her Fight, Our Fight, you can go to herfightourfight.org and learn more and how to specifically plug into there. If you want to look learn more about all of our program, you can go to people for um, the American Way.org. Excellent, and are there any programs that you uh, have anything interesting with coming up soon? Um, so yes, we are really excited to, to be getting back in person. Um, and it's not out there publicly the dates yet, but it will be out there very soon. We'll be hosting our first in-person event um, in June. We are looking forward to bringing multiple coalitions together in Atlanta to, to really figure out how we can build a winning coalition and have an impact on midterms, as well as looking to have an impact on reimagining public safety. Wow, that sounds like it'll be something very, very exciting. Are you looking for any particular demographic people to attend the program? Yeah, so we are looking to invite our elected officials within the network who are who have specific interest in affecting and uplifting our democracy, as well as their stance around reimagining public safety. But then also this time, really looking to include activists, those on the ground who are, you know, we who we know need to to be there and in on the conversation to push and support the legislation that elected officials are putting up. And then also, again, a first time for us, but we'll be including the voices of. Black faith leaders across the country. And so really looking to, to again, bring all those folks together to build a winning coalition to affect change. Fantastic. And so for this nomination coming up for Ketanji Brown Jackson, what would you say to people out there in terms of getting her confirmed? Do you have a message? Yeah, I would just say that Judge Jackson and our country deserve a, a respectful process that, that focuses on her exceptional qualifications and record on the bench. We know that this is a clear win for our country. She is exceptionally qualified and has the experience, character, integrity, and the dedication to the Constitution. Um, and, and then I would say that, again, this is a defining moment and a long overdue moment for our country. And we urge um, you all to contact your senators to, to get, encourage them to move swiftly to, contra- um, to confirm this outstanding nominee. Excellent, thank you so much for joining us. Raquel Jones, Director of Leadership Programs at People for the American Way. Thank you for having me.